Welcome to Pastor JDO3, the podcast. I'm Johnny Ogilvie III, and I'm excited about sharing with you part two of What's in a Letter with Corey Perkins. Last week, Corey talked about the military and the historical treatment of black men and women who entered the service. This week, Corey shares with us more of his experience in the Navy and the full experience of what it's like to get a letter. Please use the hashtag JDO3podcast when tweeting about today's podcast. And now, part two of What's in a Letter with Corey Perkins. What is it like to communicate with family and friends back home on a ship? It's, it's difficult to say the least. You know, I served aboard two different ships, um, the USS Independence, which is an aircraft carrier, and the USS Jewett, which is a guided missile cruiser. Both were out of San Diego, California. Uh, when I got to uh, the USS Independence, um, being from New York, I thought I, I was used to big objects, skyscrapers, what have you. But when I got on that base and I turned that corner, and I saw my ship for the very first time. I n- I'll never forget it. Yeah. I dropped my sea bag and I'm like, wow. Yeah. This thing, it, it's a floating city, literally. It had about 5,000 men uh, on board. And as far as communication is concerned, uh, there is a, it had a full working post office, just like you would go into your post office in your neighborhood, right there on the ship. So back then, of course, again, no internet, no YouTube, no smartphones, whatever. So it was letters, you know, and you sat down and I joined that long tradition of military people writing home to mom and sweetheart and people. Was this your first time writing no, a letter? No, 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 no. I mean, I've, I've written letters, you know, prior to that, you know, in boot camp, whatever. Um, but... You know, outside of like writing, you know, the Christmas card or whatever, you know how yeah. your parents are, you know, go ahead and sign this for your grandma. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. ahead and sign this. You know, you, you didn't really think about writing a letter or whatever. But yeah. um, starting in boot camp, you know, there was a, por- a portion of the day set aside for relaxation and the writing of letters, you know, and that's when I really started writing letters on a regular basis in boot camp. So when I got to my first ship, you know, we started writing letters to my mom, uh, to my best friend, Mike, you know, to my stepfather, you know, and, and other people and just writing letters on a regular basis, you know, and then that anticipation of having a letter come back to you you know, or care packages come back to you. You know, um, during Desert Storm, uh, we left uh, Diego Garcia July 29th, uh, 1990. And I didn't walk on dry land again until November 11th when we hit Singapore. I'll never forget these dates. So that whole time we were at sea, nothing but water, northwest, east, south, and down. (laughs) You know, just water. So... Um, we lived as a crew to hear the captain uh, come on uh, the loudspeaker, we call it the 1MC, uh, in the morning and give the daily briefing. And he said, we have a cog inbound. The cog is is the supply ship. So he said, we have a cog inbound, has about 10,000 pounds worth of mail, 25,000 pounds worth of mail. And you could almost hear a cheer go up from the rest of the ship 
because it's like, yo, we got mail coming in or whatever. Yeah. So they'd get all that mail in, they'd sort it out, and then they would have the mail call. You know, the, uh, it, uh, the mail would come around to the different divisions, you know, and then my leading petty officer would gather everybody together. All right, mail call, package for this one. Perk, you got two letters, and Johnson, you got a package, and you know, Perk, you got another letter, whatever. You know, so people would send letters and care packages. I know my mother, uh, would send, you know, toiletries and yeah. cookies and stuff, you know, and she would bake me stuff. And uh, um, after a while, not only would she send me letters, but she and my baby brother would sit down and make tapes. Wow. So I would have, I had a, a Walkman uh, yeah. that I bought at the ship store and I would have an envelope and it would have a little note and the tape would say, play me. And I would put the tape in and, hey, Corey, this is mom. How are you? And I would be able to hear her voice. And brother, you want to talk about, you know, chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. Just to hear her voice and to hear my brother's voice, you know, and just talking about their daily day. A lot of times she'd be sitting there like, well, I'm I'm right here in the kitchen. I'm cooking. I'm getting your brother together. And just telling me about her day, you know. But it was just such a great thing uh, to be able to hear. And then I would write back and respond. So communication, you know, is key. And uh, for any of the listeners, if you have anyone who's in the military, you know, or who is away from you for whatever reason, whatever, send them a letter. You know, you would be surprised how much um, food for the soul that would be just to see a letter from you. Yeah, what is that like knowing uh, you're off, you're making this sacrifice, but knowing that someone back home is thinking about you? Because we have a tendency to get busy. You know, you get busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, oh, I mean, I forgot I was going to make that phone call. But what is it like to be away and to know that a person, because taking a letter, as we were talking earlier, it, it's, it's time consuming. It uh, is. To sit down and actually uh, make sure you got the pen and the, the paper mm-hmm. and the envelope and the stamp and and then to actually take time out from a busy day uh, from tending to the kids and working full time uh, and whatever you're doing on the side as a side hustle, you know, trying to make time to actually write a letter or to record a tape for Pete's sake. Yes, like, sir. What did that mean to you? I mean, like, like golly. Uh, it was, it was, it's almost indescribable, you know, um, because you are in a situation that is dangerous, you know, and you are isolated, you know, you're on a ship, you're in the middle of the ocean, you don't see anybody else, but the people you work with, the people on your ship on a regular basis, you know, you want to be home, you know, and especially when it's coming like to, uh, holidays or what have you, even though I was there, you know, in the summertime, uh, November came up, you know, my first Thanksgiving was spent overseas in the military. Wow. You know, so it's it's that kind of isolation that can really get you down. Yeah. But getting a letter from home. Yeah. Just just that little piece of familiarity, you know, just just makes your heart kind of dance a little bit. Well, I know we've been getting heavy into the communication thing. I do know 
that one of the things that helped me out at Virginia Union was yes, communication. Sir. Now, the yes, communication sir. that I'm going to talk about, and we can't talk in detail about what was on those communications, <laughs> but let me tell you, one of the joys of my freshman year at Virginia Union is when you open that first bag of comedy tapes. Oh, yeah. And I remember you unzipping that bag and be like, oh, my God, there's like 30 tapes in there of just nothing but comedy. Were you a comedy fan before you went in or did you become a comedy fan when you were in there, uh, when you were in the military? Because I'm sure those tapes must have saved your life. They they did. They did. Um, I remember my mother had some of those albums. Those are the albums. Red Fox, Nipsey yeah. Russell, the old school, the old school Kings of Comedy. Yes, you know. Yes. And uh, as a kid, you're not really supposed to be listening to those kinds oh, of things no. because of the language. <laughs> but be, you know, being a kid, you know, you're gonna sneak and listen. And I remember just dying laughing yeah. off of some of that stuff, you know. So being uh, on that ship, they had a, they had a store, believe it or not, right there on the ship. And a lot of times you had a whole uh, a whole section for tapes because everybody had a walkman on board, and some of those uh, tapes were in there. So I, I found the Paul Mooney, I, I found the Eddie Murphy, and whatever, and that's how I collected those tapes. And I would sit there listening and just be giggling. Yeah. And you know, I I, I love the spoken word. I love the, and you know me better, mo, no, mo, no better yeah. anybody. I love cracking jokes. I love laughing. Yeah. You know, my, my wife always gives me the look because I'm always trying to make her laugh and yeah. she's just as silly as I am. So it's, it's a beautiful thing that I'm married to my best friend. Yeah. You know, so so yeah, uh, I've been a, com- a stand-up comedy fan to this day. You know, I have um, Series XM Radio on my phone and Kevin Hart uh, has a channel of nothing but stand-up comedy. Uh, wow. and, and I listen to that all the time. So yeah, I've been a comedy fan forever. Now, one of the things that when I talk about communication with these comedy tapes and stuff like that, uh, which, is a, which is a blessing, is that these comedy tapes, these guys are being funny, but a lot of these guys are putting in some serious content. They're not yeah. just funny people, but they're enlightening you on this journey. So what is it like to have the Paul Mooney's of the world, the George Carlin's of the world, not just making you laugh, but up in that noggin too, they making you think. They make you think, you know, and and that's what separates a comic from a comedian. A comic says funny things. A comedian says things to make some fun. So one of my favorites is Dio Hughley. And, and, you know, if you're not familiar with his work, um, go to YouTube now and see not only his stand-up, but some of the interviews that he, he's one of the smartest guys, you know, out there. You know, and he talks about everything from racism uh, to sexism. You know, and I mean, it, go back to like, as you said, George Carlin. Uh, if you go to Richard Pryor, which makes him, you know, the, the undisputed god of comedy. Yeah. You know, he was doing this in the 70s, talking about racism and different things. And he would have you dying laughing, but you afterwards you're like, wow, what yeah. he said is true. You know, so yeah, I, I love things that make me think, 
as well as laugh. And people like Dave Chappelle and Dio Hughley and um, Chris Rock, people that are on that level who, who can, you know, turn a joke, but can also make you think as well. It, yeah. It's a great thing. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I tell my, my daughters this all the time is that comedians, uh, comedians are very, very intelligent to be able to do those jokes and to be able to connect those dots, uh, to be that observant while the rest of the world is not paying attention. And here yes. these guys are able to not just enlighten you, but actually point out the, the irony and the humor uh, or the uniqueness of a situation uh, and that takes a lot of talent and a, and a lot of intelligence. Mm. And so I, I love listening to Ian Comedy as well, even Dave, Dave Chappelle right now. Mm. Uh, he, he's not D.L. Huey, not D.L. Huey. But mm. he also has some, some insight as well on some things. And now what is it like, uh, because I, I know one of the things that, uh, and I won't ask you to talk about this because this is uh, another conversation, but I do know that one of the things you talked about was wanting to be home and the pressure that it is being on the ship, the distance that it is being on a ship, or even being in a strange land, to have those things that actually minister to you, that that humanize you, that keep you connected to the world, uh, to have those uh, those outlets, if you will, to keep your sanity, to keep your focus, uh, to keep you involved. Uh, what is it like having to make that effort uh, on a ship? Because I know you don't have the same access that everyone back home has, but you have to use uh, effectively the access that you've been given. Right, right. It, it, it can be very difficult, you know, for anyone uh, being in the military, especially if you're forward deployed, if you are in a war zone, you know, and, um, you know, by God's grace being on a ship, I was not in the day-to-day -day fighting, although I was isolated on the ship, and there, you know, were instances where I did have missiles flying over my head, and that's a whole other story. What have you? Um, but when you're in a situation like that, you know, or just just you know, just just to put it out there, you know, for you know those brothers and sisters who find themselves incarcerated, you know, yeah. uh, you, you're you're in a situation where you're isolated from family, friends, for whatever reason. When you have books and letters and things, especially Christian-based, you know, I remember being in a situation and the first time I ever read a book by Joyce Meyer. Oh, wow. You know, uh, who is a phenomenal, you know, preacher. Yeah. And um, my, my first instance with her was a book by her called me and my big mouth mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and the the title kind of jumped off the page at me uh being the verbose person that i am i like to talk you know <laughs> you know and i read this book and it all and it talked about the power of words you know and 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 and, and she talked um she went to i believe it was uh the book of james uh, where it says, you know, put a guard on, you know, on my mouth, let no corrupt communication pass our lips, except that which is uh, edifying to the hearer. Yeah. yeah. And she broke that whole demonstration down. And I was like, wow, you know, and she said, words are containers, the containers of power, you know, and they can uh, have the power to build or the power to destroy. You know, and it's absolutely right. You can build somebody up with your words and you can 
tear somebody down with your words as well. And be they written words or spoken word. And I mean, that ties into this, you know, 21st century yeah. uh, life that we're living now because do everyone is writing because you have Twitter and you have Facebook and you have Instagram. So everything is written and you can destroy somebody yeah. with the words that you write. Yeah. You know, you have kids out here literally killing themselves yeah. because of what's being written about them on social media. So words are very, very important and very can be very damaging or uplifting. So getting back to your question, that 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 whole feeling of being out, being isolated on a ship and just having that written word, that communication that, hey, I love you. Home is great. That frees my mind as an individual to do my job where I am because I don't have to worry about my mom at home. So it's not just the communication, but it's what is communicated. Thank you for spending time with us in discussion. We appreciate the tweets to hashtag JDO3 podcast and look forward to having great discussions with you in this community. Join us next week for part three of What's in a Letter with Corey Perkins. We will talk about the power of words and the role of mentorship. Be sure you enter the conversation online. You can find all posts by using the hashtag PastorJDO3. Thank you for joining us for the podcast, PastorJDO3. I'm Johnny Ogletree III, and I look forward to future discussions with you.